give you a bit of context Gary we learning um, we learning we learning a, a little bit of a one of the what's called the Nesivas of the Maral where he gives us a, a bit of a deeper understanding into life the goal being that we should be able to within our present mode of living find a deeper dimension which is always the motivation for change one of the topics we've discussed repeatedly is that change doesn't happen when you're fighting on an equal, equal playing field. If you've got pulls here and pulls there, so you pretty much always land up in the pool being tossed backwards and forwards. When you move forward dramatically, that's when it no longer becomes an issue in the, in the battle that you're fighting, it becomes something much larger. So you have to create, as it were, a new dimension to your being that you gravitate towards. For example, a person that becomes generally becomes from, doesn't become from because he overcomes some type of deep struggle that he was having inside himself and he finally says, I'm going to do it anyway. What happens is he sees a new world that attracts him and he wants to gravitate towards a new world. person hasn't been exposed to learning. All of a sudden he finds out that there's this entire universe of, of, of conceptual, a conceptual tapestry which when you start to explore it, it becomes so intriguing but you aren't saying, mm, I'm going to unlearn. You're just fixated by the experience. That, that's how change occurs. Change doesn't occur from brute force. Change occurs from, from seeing a new world. And so the Maral presents us. He always has the ability to scratch away the surface and to show us what's underneath. Until now, we've discussed the notion of relationships. He presented three different models of different types of relationships, sibling relationships, friendships and neighborly relationships. And he challenged us in a very big way by discounting almost as irrelevant a brotherly relationship, saying of those three it's by far the weakest, putting friendship <coughs> at the very top of the scale, and then rating neighborly relationships beneath that. In other words, geographical proximity has a deeper impact on a person's social life than being born from the same father, mother. Which is a fascinating take. But the goal obviously is to by contrasting what we assume to be the deepest relationship, a brother, he emphasizes the value of friendship because ultimately that's the stuff which sticks the fabric of society together. He takes it one step further and he says that since Klal Yisrael, the Jewish people, is one nation, and since the glue which sticks the fabric of community together is friendship, the minute that that starts to dissolve, so the nation dissipates. So there's not only some type of personal, social, relationship fulfillment in the connection that one establishes with another, it becomes more of a global mission statement that unless there's a positive, healthy love and attraction between the Jews themselves, the national identity starts to absolutely disintegrate. I know I speak in global terms. Nevertheless, it's not permission for you to interrupt. Mog, wait. Continues the moral and discusses, therefore he says, this is, this is basic. In other words, friendship is not something on the side, it's a nice thing to happen. It's a basic bread and, bread and butter of being a Jew, which is a very interesting take. In other words, it's almost, almost basic, it's more basic. The value is higher than a brother. But what we explored yesterday was two other components, which are tangentially related, and that's the idea of snius and the idea of shtika of what we sometimes translate as modesty and of silence. And we said that what sneers does is, of course, it's not some type of uh, injunction to become completely covered. And if you actually manage to shroud yourself in a curtain, then you're looked upon as the ultimate in sneers. 
rather what we said is that the notion of Tznius has a accessibility to what's known as wisdom and wisdom is the vision of reality which exists just beneath the surface of the shell of our physical existence no one ever spells out the wisdom the underlying operating mechanism of a given thing whether it be looking at a tree you do not see photosynthesis or the way that the nutrients in the soil absorb it into the bark of the tree you see a tree so you may be able to appreciate its structure and its form but you don't get what it's about until you penetrate the surface and understand what kind of electrochemical reactions are occurring but you don't ever see that even looking at life on a molecular level unless you've got a microscope in your pocket you're not going to see it so the positive which is Chochem of Barosha means that the kind of attitude we try to develop in life is to transcend what the senses pick up as being existence and transcend the sensory input to function as we do in life on a more conceptual level. That's sneers. It means what appears on the exterior doesn't reveal what's hidden underneath it. And therefore a person who behaves that way towards himself accesses the mirror image of that in the world around him known as wisdom. In order to access it, you have to be it. If you yourself expose your own inner being so that the internal becomes the external, in other words, that you rob yourself of an inner world, so it means there's nothing inside. So you lose the ability to penetrate the depth of the world around you because you're a person that doesn't have the capacity because you defeat it with inside yourself. So that led us on to the notion of how much of a person should expose. If a person reveals what's going on inside of himself, he loses it. A person that reveals to another something is done, which is a positive thing, so he taints the purity of the act and in a way he destroy, destroys the pristine form of his inner world. For an example, I would love to share some of the things I do, <laughs> but I'm prohibited from doing so. For an example, a person that has some type of act, no one knows he doesn't. And people do amazing things. Um, it could be a... A tefillah that he says. A tefillah that he says. He has a prayer that there's someone that he knows that needs help. The person who's doubling for has no clue. He's never told it to anyone else. And he doubles for that person. The minute he mentions to someone else that he's saying that tefillah, he's lost the connection. Because then the motivations become tainted automatically. And why do you need to say it? In other words, it seems to be that we almost have this we feel compelled to speak. It's almost as if our reality is self-destructive because we feel compelled to speak about what's inside <coughs> of ourselves. By speaking about what's inside of ourselves, it's almost as if we seek validation from those outside of us. And in doing so, we land up with not being people. Were we to overcome the compulsion to speak, then it would be a sign that the internal world we have is real. We don't need your affirmation. It's real. And it, the reality is measured by my calmness in containing it inside of myself. If it's real, I don't need you to tell me it's real. 
don't you feel that when a person has an experience where they go through something and they have a, or when I have a perception I'm desperate to share it with someone because I feel if I don't share it with someone it doesn't exist so that means my external being is oriented in a place external to myself so where am I? every experience has to be regurgitated in order for it to be have validity so my, that means my entire world is bankrupt that's the beginning of Tznius the beginning of Tznius is the capacity to create a shield around yourself where your inner world is kept pristine and protected and then it really exists in other words independence the first step of independence is the capacity to keep a secret which leads us onto the next stage which is known as silence the ability not to speak Joel sometimes they family family members like like to know that people are doubling for their like when you tell someone listen I'm like doubling like Jolly, it brings consolation. in every rule there are many exceptions yeah. I'm not saying that you should never ever mention to any person in any context that you're saying fillers for them sometimes it gives a person encouragement and inspiration to know that there's other people that are holding their pain with them I'm speaking about there are times when saying those things shatter the person's inner sanctum that's all Samuel um, I remember once hearing an idea on Purim that why we dress up is that in wearing a mask you um, it's, it's ironic because you're, you're hiding like your facial expression really then the real you comes out then they're seeing because we, we let ourselves become influenced by people's faces and what they look like maybe what they're wearing but when you cover it up then the, their essence comes out doesn't, uh, that seems to go the opposite way to what you're saying. Uh, yeah. In other words, over here I'm describing that you have, to, you have to hide your essence. And you're suggesting that the person's physicality is often looked upon as who he is. And therefore when you, when you hide your essence, it actually has... There seems to be something praiseworthy about covering over your essence in order to expose your essence. Okay, so that, that, that's a great question. Do you mind if I don't answer it on the spot? Can you live with the question for a few more, few more, could be days, hours, months, or years? Let's go on. So, Schneider, what do you want? No, I just want to quickly say, on That's a personal okay. note, I completely agree with. Uh, Sounds like there's a bat coming. I can feel that bat. No, no. Oh, okay. No, good. no, no. But um, uh, when I was uh, completely oh. secular on birthdays, oh. uh, when I would make a birthday wish, oh. it would be to myself. It would be inside, oh. and then uh, there and and I and there was a certain wish that I made, uh, which was, I mean, not to get honor right now for it, uh, disregarding that, but for other people, it was right. never about myself. Right. Uh, for the longest time, and then. Right. Eventually, I didn't mention it to somebody, and it felt horrible. Destroyed. Yeah, absolutely. Like I totally hundred percent lost it. Yeah. In other words, the beginning of growth is the capacity to keep a secret, mm. even with yourself. So that's where silence comes in. So what we began to discuss yesterday was the notion of silence is not a lack of speech; it's a proactive declaration of communication, but just in a different way. And we contrasted that there's two levels of existence. We said that on the one hand, words, language is a construct which lends itself to things which can be explained away. Whereas, there are certain things within our experience of living which are, which are beyond the written word and the spoken word. And how do you express those things? 
No! No! You express those things through silence. And the, press, the, 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 the source is a Gemara in Brachas, which says that Agra debehi lula milei Agra debehi tamaya shtikusa that the way, the reward, the benefit of a wedding celebration is words and the benefit of a house of mourning is silence. Now if you look at those two things, so there's two constructs in the world. There's, there's the explainable world and the unexplainable world. The explainable world is a world when things go well and right. And you say, oh, it's amazing. There's two couple. She comes from, from Kazakhstan and he comes from Norway and they met in Argentina and it's amazing how these two people and they just made for one another so you see you see this you can declare that you can proclaim you that that kind of coming together of the chesed of Hashem is something we can comprehend it makes sense it fits together how so unlikely it must be through divine intervention that this event could have occurred and then there are events which defy description, typified by the death of a person. When a person died, there's really no words to say. You can't comprehend it. How could it be? A person who is so alive, so contributing to society, such a crucial part of being, how do you describe in words the loss of that person? The answer is, you don't. Words are not an adequate mechanism of description to bring into the world of shared communication that experience. But how can you do it? You can express it through silence. And that's why the law is when you go to visit a mourner, you are not allowed to speak. If they decide to speak, then you have to you respond. But you can go to a person and simply sit with them. And when you sit with them, it's not that nothing's been said. Everything's been said. But what's being said doesn't lend itself to the spoken word. Now the truth is, once a person becomes aware of the power of silence, there's two kinds of silence <coughs> that the person starts to pick up on. There's a silence which is filled with meaning. It's filled with communication. It's filled with an intimate connection. And there's a silence <coughs> which, is, which is empty and flat. I'll give you an example. Ideally, when an idea is presented that requires thought and contemplation, it would be most appropriate to allow the idea to be digested and formulated by the people hearing it. And therefore, in a shir, there should be these great pauses between what's being said and how it's being assimilated by the people listening. Moshe Rabbeinu, there's, 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 there's pauses in the Torah for him to digest. So if an idea from Torah is being shared, so there should be this pause where the silence becomes this rich, fertile ground for mutual exploration beyond the context of words. So now, we'll experiment with this. It's quite simple and you'll see the power of it when we look at what the next thing the Maral says. The Maral makes a He sets up a link of causality, a connection between two different types of relationships, and how. And he says the following words. Now, after I've told you these words, I don't want an empty silence to follow. 
I want a full silence to follow, which means that you take the words. You take the words and you think about how the words relate to your past, how the words relate to your ex to experiences in the present, how the words connect to your model of reality, how the words could possibly influence you. You can evaluate them and ask yourself, does this seem true? Does it seem right? What's the nature of causality? All those thoughts can occur to you after the idea has been presented. Says the Maral, the Maral says the following. We've already explained in the fact that the person has to love the creations. Who That is called loving your fellow man, that is called the love of Hashem. Kamken as well. the person loves Hashem. loves everything he has made. And therefore, when a person loves Hashem, it is impossible not to love his creations. And if he hates people, it's impossible for him to love Hashem. Hashem Baran created them. Bizarre. Imagine, I mean, well, I can't. I'll, I'll daven with heartfelt kavana, I'll chuckle like a meshugna, and I'll be upset with half the show. I don't say what the Maral said. No, it doesn't work perfectly. When you daven, when you go to daven, what do you do? I walk into the show and I say, I can't believe this guy's taking my place. What do you think? We, 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 and then, and then, then a guy six bodies down from you is gyrating. And you think that's unacceptable. Sorry. There's a limit to the spectrum of bodily jerking movement that you can actually you can actually permit within the context of a show. And then as you're doing that, there's someone who's sitting down when you should be standing. He's sitting down. They shake it. <laughs> and as for the chazan, he's depends. Either too slow, too fast too guttural, too melodious, he's clearly a Balchava, he's so polished, every, so in other words, your experience of Shul is like the issues you have with all the people around you, and the reason why you're there is to show your love of God, you do it perfectly, it's totally, it's on the contrary, Shul is synonymous with my heartfelt relation to my creation, my absolute disdain for everyone <coughs> else, <laughs> comes along the Maral and he says, no, <laughs> <laughs> you have that, you don't have this. You don't like them, yeah? You get irritated by this person. And he comes so late. And what's this guy doing here so early? <laughs> it's ridiculous. That kind of feeling within the context of Twila doesn't work. Because the McCoy of Twila is 
from the Pasuk in Shema that you have to love Hashem you have to serve Hashem with your heart so Tfilah is an expression of the Avas Hashem but the Avas Hashem can't be expressed when you hate people because that's mutually exclusive that's what Maral says now do you understand what the Maral says? do you understand what the Maral says? Uh, another time for some lit what does it make sense? Well, why is it connected? God is a spiritual being. I can connect to my Creator. He's all-knowing, all-giving, all-forgiving, all-powerful. And I think He's, I think he's fantastic. <laughs> the problem is Shimon. He's a jerk. I've got no issues with God. I think he's Mamash Gavaldic. The problem with Jews. Jews are Mamash of pain. This is a matter of the impossible. If you really love God, then you love every two. It's impossible. What do you mean? I think it's, I, on the contrary, I argue in the morale. What do you mean? I'm the living proof. My mom says, I love, love the Rebbein Shalom. Mitzvahs, 100%. I'm all there. Yeah, it comes to, you know, it comes to inno- annoying individuals. What do you mean? I'm sure Hashem also doesn't like them. <laughs> Not only me. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's spiritually ordained. What do you have to say, Marxies? Surely if you love Hashem. Yeah. And you love his mitzvahs. Yeah. And you have a mitzvah after the Rechem Kamocha. That's what the Maral says, though. He doesn't say, because you're a good boy, therefore you have to love Jews as well. Mm-hmm. You love Hashem, so you have to listen to him. Now, you actually hate them, but you know that hating them is not on, because it says in the Torah, don't hate. So say, what can I do? I have to love them. So then you have to First of all, I don't understand. Can you, do you understand how you can be commanded to love and hate? I find that quite strange. Yeah. You know, like, I can't wake up in the morning and say, Joel, 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 you're a bar mitzvah boy now. Now, now you're having the mitzvahs. So you know, you know, you know, you know, you weren't so friendly with Sheftel. You're like, well, we're not so friendly. You say, Dad, you're exaggerating. Sheftel's a joke. So you say, well, that was before you became bar mitzvah. Now you have to keep mitzvahs. So now Sheftel's your best friend. So you'll say back to him, no, he's not. He's still a jerk. The fact that now you become high in the mitzvah doesn't affect it. So um, basically, no, your story is wrong. So, but you have to um, work on yourself then. You 100% you have to work on yourself. But I don't understand the causal relationship between the two. Surely I can develop a deep spiritual connection to the omnipotent creator of the world and I'll deal with my, like, uh, jo- Johnny, between you and me, I have issues with relationships. Yeah. Like, yeah, I mean, you'll see it in the course of time and you get to know me better. But, but... Maybe not. Oh, maybe not. But, but yeah. Why would you want to invest? But, let's say, let's say, let's say, it's, it's, it's an astonishing claim to make that any person who fails in his interpersonal relationships is a description of his failure to connect to God. No, don't you think it's a slightly odd? No, 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 no. I think you don't? I think that you, the only... In order to understand relationship with God, you have to have that, that relationship with man first, understand what a relationship is. As in, you don't know what a relationship is. How You can't have a relationship with an infinite being. Okay, your relationship with your parents, with your brothers, with your community, and then those feelings that you have, that physical feeling. Fine, so let's say, so Jolly, so now let's, let's say, let's say, I've got a best friend, and I'm Mama's best friend. I'll do anything for him. He's close as close can be. Now I know what the relationship is. I happen to hate everyone else, so I can love God. Why should it be that if I if I don't love Jews globally, I don't love God? 
Din. Can I tell you my real problem? How can I have a deep, meaningful relationship with God if I I'll tell you something which I've noticed about myself, which disturbs me greatly. Many things I've noticed about myself disturb me greatly. This one disturbs me greatly. In the morning, I go and I have a Pesukah Zimra. For many people over here, that's a Chiddush. No, it's actually a, it's an integral part of davening. So, what I do is I notice is I live on I live on the side of a mountain, um, and I find it beautiful in the morning, especially at that time of day when the sun, especially now that nature is so late, that the sun is rising and the air is fresh, and the the clouds often are tinted by the light of the morning sun. It's, it's magnificent. So I say because we're outside the shul, because I'm surrounded by God's majesty and his creations as opposed to when I'm inside the show of the Jews then I thought there may be a problem <laughs> and when I learned this my I thought there may be a bigger problem I should walk into the show and I could say wow look look at these people and then I should walk outside the show and see this magnificent the, smell the fresh air and say mm, pales in comparison to the kind of Gilukvot Shemaim that was there so now, uh, do you know what my issue is? So this is my issue. My issue is, yeah, if I want to appreciate the greatest of men, I'll appreciate the miracle of the human body. The issue is people's personalities get me going. So now, this is where the problem occurs. Th- and this is the kind of problem which I'm just going to be open with you about. I'm not going to hide it. Yeah? The problem is, don't people <coughs> have choices? Now, people can choose to be good or bad. So like, my fear would be, is the majority of people I don't like, it's because so they, they're being bad. They're not utilizing the God-given abilities they were bestowed, of, bestowed with. What's their essence? What do you mean? What's the distinction? I, when I relate to you, how do I, how do I grasp you? By some type of aura that... No, I, I look at you in, in terms of the way you relate to me, the words you say to me, your physical appearance, our interactions, the history we have, those become the stuff that make up our relationship. Not the fact that your unexplored raw potential to be the tzadikador, maybe. That's your criteria. So you have a criteria. Isn't, isn't it, Jolly? Don't get you aggressive with me. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get aggressive with me, boy. I have enough issues with the guys in Shul. Now you're making it worse. Go on. And it's your, you need to change your criteria then. Who are you telling me you're, what to do? <laughs> one second, dude. Sorry, I got to go on. No, yeah. They. They, they, so they. Philip. Yeah. Yes, me. They, they need to change your... I'm joking, I'm joking. Go for it. Go. Phillips. Full on the assault. And I, clearly, you don't have any issues with people, which is bad to know. Yeah. I'm, glad, I'm glad that you're happy with our world. Let's but you're talking about me. Let's say... No one's called Danny, right? No, no one's called Danny. Great. Danny's... Yes. Right? has a very high criteria that's why he doesn't like people like he needs to be exactly like me normally the the, the relationship we describe here is one that oh they're not like me they're okay Joey let's take it to the extreme yeah have you met someone you don't like <laughs> several people uh-huh. <laughs> so, so let's talk about the people you don't like one second yeah. let's talk about them so you don't like them why because even though you've got extremely low criteria for liking a person right yeah. you're like basic things that the person has to be like marginally human and then you meet like these five or six guys who, who aren't even that so you hate them and but they're still human beings you don't you don't, you don't like them you don't love them you don't love them no you don't love them so they talk about those people why don't you love them you should love them as well why yeah 
I don't know why I don't love them. I'll tell you why you don't love them. Because they're annoying, because they're rude, because they're aggressive, because they're selfish, because they're egotistical, whatever it is. Whatever it is. Some people are properly offensive. Yeah, but there's a way of getting over that. There is? Yeah, you've got to do them favours. My best friends now, my best friends now... Are the people my, you hated the most? The people I hated the most. Who are your best friends? Let's hear about that. Jacob. No. <laughs> me and James Dito. We never used to get on at all. And now we're like, it's like a brother to me. Because... You mean like a friend? Because we, uh, you, the more you do favors to each other, the more you there for each other, the more you invest in that person, like any relationship. Okay, fantastic. So then, if you say that the basis of forming of the relationship is investment, is investment. So what about all the people who are on the periphery of my of my acquaintanceship that I'm never going to have that interaction with them? So mm-hmm. am I just basically them? I will hate forever. You need to find time. Uh, hello, hello. Do you know how many people I dislike? There are thousands of them. How can I find time for all of them? No, it's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah, I can't answer that. Uh, yeah. Devo. There's a big problem with equating love with like. That sometimes the best thing I can do if I don't like someone, the biggest altruistic act of, of love I can show them is by avoiding them like the plague. <laughs> <laughs> so what you're saying is love means that when you hate someone because you care about them so much you will never speak to them. I somehow feel it's, it's good. I'm, 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 not, I'm not loving that theory. Why not? I mean I, I feel there's something lacking there. I mean, I know, I know that for you, that's a very practical approach, but I think we that's have what to I do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to be continued. To be continued.